Just Father, this morning as we come to your word and it's laid out before us, we ask that your word be sent just as a two-edged sword, separating bone from marrow, soul from spirit. We pray for the encouragement this morning in our hearts and also the faith to go on, not be stagnant in our lives. We just pray for Pastor as he brings your message this morning that you will open each and every one of our hearts to listen, to be changed. And also, Lord, as uh, kids go off to Sunday school, Lord, that you will change each and every one of our hearts, including our children and the children to come. That you, Lord Jesus, will be the centre of our lives. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Thanks, Jay. Ever noticed how something can be simple but not so easy? Um, thanks to those guys uh, who helped us see that this morning uh, when we were looking at communion and, you know, squatting up against the wall for an extended period of time. It's not a complex action to perform, but it's certainly not easy. Sometimes something can be simple but not easy. And this morning as we're going to continue in our Heart Matters series, we're going to be looking at a time during the Last Supper when the disciples were facing a very complex situation, something beyond their understanding. And Jesus gave them a shortcut. He gave them a way to respond, a way to act that was very simple, but not easy. And essentially it's this. Jesus said, simply choose love. If you remember nothing else this morning, just remember those words. Simply choose love. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're following instructions, but you don't really understand why you just know that if you follow these instructions you get the 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 outcome that you desire um, perhaps you're you're someone who cooks a lot and you follow the recipe even though you don't really understand the role that a particular ingredient might play uh, I had uh, a, a situation like that recently uh, I had this recipe for making pancakes using oats instead of flour. So I milled up the oats and one of the ingredients was baking powder. And I'm like, baking powder? What's baking powder? I don't need baking powder. So I left the baking powder out. Instead of getting pancakes, I ended up with something a little bit more like crepes because the baking powder is the leavening agent that helps them rise and become nice and fluffy. I didn't understand that and so I left it out and it meant that I didn't get the desired result. What about when, when your computer or your technology, maybe your phone or your tablet, isn't working? What do you do? Come on, you, everyone knows this. You turn it off and on again. Do, do you know why? And, and because it works isn't the why. Like we, we know it works, but do, do we really understand why? The reality is, for most of us, we don't care why, do we? <laughs> we just want it to work again. 
Sometimes we find, uh, find ourselves in a situation where we think we know how something works. And, and so we improvise, like I did with my cooking. I, I thought I knew better than the recipe. Uh, my wife will tell you that sometimes my improvisations work beautifully, um, but not always. Sometimes we can get a little bit overconfident. You might have heard the saying, they know enough to be dangerous. You ever heard that, that saying before? They know enough to be dangerous. What that means is that they know a little bit about something. Someone knows a little bit about something. And that gives them enough confidence to go out and do things their own way. But it's not enough to keep them out of trouble and out of danger. Talk to a tradie. Talk to, to a sparky like Jay, uh, who, who will tell you of times where he's come across work done by people who know just a little bit, but not enough to understand how to do things properly. And the result is, particularly when you're dealing with elect electrics, <clears throat> A wiring and all that kind of stuff they've they've used the wrong gauge wire or they've run it in the wrong way or they've left wires exposed or they haven't terminated a powerpoint correctly or all of these kind of things which is why in australia we have strict legislation around who can do electrical work because there's a particular way of doing it when we think we know what's best sometimes we can get ourselves in a whole lot of deep water where we're way out of our depth we're in a whole lot of trouble and we cause a massive mess. In our passage today, we're, we're going to be looking in, in John chapter 13. In the Last Supper, we're going to see all of this happen. We're going to see Jesus give the disciples the simple instructions to follow. Knowing that they're not going to understand why. They're not going to understand the how. But we're also going to see that for one of those disciples... They were full of confidence and boldness. They thought they had God's plans and Jesus' ways unpacked. They thought they knew exactly what, what God needed and what God wanted. And so they went about things their own way. And it got them in a big mess. And so as we unpack this today, we're going to see that sometimes our ways are not God, God's ways. And sometimes we need to follow the simple instructions of God. They're not always easy. And in this case, it's simply choose love. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to be reading from verses 31 to 38 this morning. John chapter 13, 30, 31 to 38. This we pick up in the middle of the Last Supper. Jesus uh, is eating this, this meal at Passover with his disciples. He'd washed their feet as they came in. They sat down, they reclined on the floor together, as was the custom, as they shared this meal. We pick up in 31, uh, just after Judas has left. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you where I am going 
you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Verses 31 and 32, these words of Jesus begin in John's gospel, a final sermon that John presents to us. The final lot of teachings and they run from chapter 13 through 14, 15, 16 and 17. And these words that Jesus says, the Son of Man is glorified, are echoed again in chapter 17. Uh, in Jesus' final prayer, he asked that God would glorify him now, just before he is arrested by the guards. When Jesus says these words here in, in chapter 13, verse 31, he's making reference to what he had just mentioned about Judas. He, he had just declared, he just proclaimed to his disciples that one of you will betray me. And it is he that I, I give this bread to now. And then he proceeded to give the bread to Judas. And Judas got up and left. And then Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. See, what Jesus was doing was he was pointing to the fact that the betrayal that was about to come, the betrayal at the hands of Judas was a part of God's plan was a part of God's purpose in, in glorifying Jesus as the Messiah. And in doing so, glorifying himself. We've looked and I've come back to that passage in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 where, where Isaiah proclaims that God waits patiently to be gracious to you because he is a God of justice. This is the culmination of, of what Isaiah was talking about there. He is glorified and exalted because of his grace and his mercy. And it doesn't come through this triumphal victory, a battle that is won brutally in war. This victory comes through sacrifice. And Jesus lays this out to them in a way that he knows that they won't understand now, but after the coming events. Over the next few days and months, they, these disciples, they will see and everything, the pieces will fit together. But until they see what is about to come, until they experience it, until they endure what is about to come, they cannot possibly fathom what God's plans are. So Jesus makes this reference now. Judas's work is underway. He is going about his betrayal and the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. 
In verse 33, we, we see also this ind- indication that the disciples do not and cannot fully understand what Jesus is saying. He addresses them as little children. This is a term of endearment. He is not patronizing them in any way. He says, little children, you cannot follow me. You cannot know where I am going. You cannot understand it. They don't know what is about to happen that night. They don't know how their lives are about to be turned upside down, how their their routine of waking and sleeping and eating and talking and living with Jesus is about to be thrown into complete and utter turmoil. God's plan is for Jesus' death on the cross. And it's for the disciples to continue the work as his ambassadors, as his representatives, to bear witness to the good news, to the gospel that God has made a way for us to be forgiven. He's made a way for us to be redeemed. He's made a way for our sins to be atoned for. That is God's plan. But to understand the mechanics of it, it's just too complicated for the disciples. For them, them to explain it, they, they would never know how. And so what Jesus does in verse 34 and 35, he gives them the simple instructions. How to turn it off and on again. Here is the recipe to how to let the world know about this good news. This is what Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You don't have to understand the hows and the whys of of God's plan, the Father's plan. But what you need to do is simply this. Love one another. Isaiah captured this disparity that we see between God's plans and our understanding. We, we deeply desire, we want to know how things are going to work. We want to know how things are going to play out. We look at our situation and our circumstances and we see what's wrong, what's broken, what's not working, what makes us uncomfortable and unhappy. And we want it fixed. And sometimes we, we think we know the best way to do that. But Isaiah Isaiah captures it beautifully this way. As he declares in Isaiah 55, 8 to 11, the words of the Lord, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But know this, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So it is with this understanding that we come back and approach Jesus' new commandment, a new commandment for a new covenant. 
It's not brand new, however. It, it doesn't abolish the old covenant. It doesn't replace the old commandments. In fact, we see it woven throughout the old covenant. In fact, perhaps a better way to, to express that is the first covenant. In, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, this was the commandment that God gave through Moses to Israel. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Also, we, we see in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the very epitome of the greatest commandment. When Jesus was asked, which of all of the commandments, of all of the prophets, and all of the laws is the greatest? Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. He was quoting this passage that is called the Shema from Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 and, and onwards to say this, this is the heart of the covenant relationship that we have with the Father in heaven. And he said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so with this new commandment that Jesus gives to us that we love one another just as he has loved us. We are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that we are his disciples. We have our simple instructions. We cannot fathom the hows and the whys, the depths and the breadths of God's plan. We cannot see what God's plan and what God's work is at the moment in the floods in Queensland, in the floods in New South Wales, in the war in Ukraine. But make no mistake, God is at work. He has a plan because his ways are higher than our ways. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. He, his thoughts are far greater. So what do we do when we don't understand, when we can't fathom what God's plans are and how he's going to work this out? It's simple. Simply choose love. That's what he wants for us to do. That's how we can participate in God's plan. The wonderful blessing of that is as we follow that simple instruction, that simple commandment, simply choose love. Love for one another. Love the way that he has loved us with grace and compassion, with patience and mercy. God's plan is enacted and we get to be on that front precipice watching the hand of God at work. It's a simple commandment. But make no mistake, it is not easy. It is not easy to love when we are hurting. It's not easy to love when we don't feel loved back. So how do we love like Jesus? Paul unpacked it for us. You see, God's, again, God's ways are higher than our ways. 
God's definition of love is so far higher than the world's examples of love. And so if we had to know how to love Jesus' way, God's way, we need to look to His Word to direct us and lead us. So in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul explains this. Of all the great and magnificent things we can do, he says, if I have nothing, I'm a resounding, a noisy gong. This is what he says, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So what is love? This is what Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Think about that one for a minute. Our society has become so polarized in recent years, decades. We've become so tribalized that when those who disagree with us or go about life in a different way or share different values or priorities to what we do, when we see them stumble, when we see them fall, when we see them fall into a pit of mistakes and shame, go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect come, when Christ returns, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then when Christ returns in his glorious appearance, then we will see face to face God in his unbridled glory and majesty now I know in part then then in eternity when Christ comes back then we will see with clarity God's plans that we can't fathom and understand now even as we have been fully known so now faith hope and love abide. These three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Paul again asserts that for now we can't fully comprehend 
all that God has in store for us. We can't fully know His plans, but what we can rely on, the things that do endure are faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. As we look to this commandment that that Jesus gives us, that we love one another as He has loved us, we see three things. It is a commandment of love. Love just like that. Secondly, it is a commandment of unity. To have specifically and specially, but not exclusively, love for one another. A love that we share. Not to be kept and isolated within a Christian community, but that is birthed and nurtured within the Christian family, within the body of Christ. If we do not start here with one another, then I guarantee you that our love cannot be extended out into the world, a world that is broken, a world that is, is scarred and marred by its sinfulness, that is lost in the depravity of sin. This is a commandment of unity. That we have love for one another. And finally, it is a commandment that bears witness of God's love. It is a commandment to testify, a commandment of ambassadorship, that we become God's ambassadors, God's diplomats, God's representatives by this love. Because he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Not just good people, not just well-meaning people, not just nice people. They will see, they will know that you are my disciples. The fact that you love one another, how you love for one another. Because the way we love, when we love God's way, is not like any love the world has ever seen and known. And that's where the glory of God, the majesty and the good news of Jesus is made known. Remember earlier we talked about the times that sometimes we think we know better and we jump in our own way. We saw that Simon Peter In that discourse with Jesus, when Jesus said, look, where I'm going, you're not able to follow. You won't understand. I, I can't explain it to you now. Wait and see. Wait until you see what's coming. Essentially, that's what he's saying. But for now, all you need to know is this. All you need to do is this. Love one another. Simply choose love. Peter missed that point. He got focused on his loyalty and his love for Jesus. But what do you mean I can't follow you, Jesus? I die for you, Jesus. Peter was acting in what he thought he knew best. He he trumped his ways onto God's ways instead of surrendering his ways and saying, but Jesus, I think I know, but you're telling me I don't really know. So Okay, I'll, I'll trust you. Jesus had to give him this stern rebuke. Peter, you say that you will die for me, but I tell you the truth, tonight you will deny me. You will abandon me. 
instead of bearing witness to who I am, you will hide your face away from me. And he did. When he was asked by people as, he could, as they could see Jesus on the cross, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, no, that's not me. Three times, on three occasions, he denied Jesus. And the rooster cried. But even before then, in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter still didn't get it. The guards came to arrest Peter, uh, Jesus, and Peter drew his sword. And he cut off the ears of one of the soldiers. Jesus rebuked Peter in that moment. Even though Jesus had laid the seed that through this betrayal, God is glorified. Peter, trust the process. I know you don't understand it, but know that this is what has to happen. Peter jumped out in front of Jesus to protect the man that he loved, but he did it in the wrong way. Jesus bent down and picked up Malchus's ear and replaced it on his head and healed him. Rebuking Peter, he went with the guards. It's tempting at times. In the face of uncertainty and where we lack clarity, where we can't fathom what, is, what good could possibly come out of this, to want to press forward with our own ways and our own desires, just like Peter. Peter would be reinstated by Jesus. Jesus went and met with him. They, they, they had a discussion, a reconciliation, if you like. Peter indeed would give his life for Jesus. But in that night, he pressed on in his own ways. I want to encourage you, as we face uncertain times, uncertain days and uncertain events, be not wise in our own eyes. Let us lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge God in his goodness, in his greatness and his unfathomable wisdom, and simply choose love. That's what we need when we look around at one another. What do you see? Do you see someone who's said something that's hurt you, that's ruffled your feathers, that's cut your heart? Simply choose love. Do you see someone who you feel has given you a cold shoulder or ignored you at some time? Simply choose love. Do you see someone who is hurting, in need of some prayer or some comfort? Simply choose love. Because as we love one another, all of Bowen and the whole world will know that we are God's disciples, that we're different, that we don't think like the world, we don't act like the world, we don't live like the world, 
Because we don't belong to the world. We belong to Jesus. We are his sons and daughters. We are his children. We are his family. Simply choose love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are times where we're just surrounded and overwhelmed and swamped by situations that are happening in our world. We just don't understand. Lord, as hard as we try, we, we just can't fathom what can possibly come out of these situations. Lord, in these moments, in these times, whether it's world events, whether it's in our workplace or our neighbourhood or indeed, Lord, in our families, Lord, we ask that your grace to flow abundantly for us. Lord, may we trust you above all else and simply choose love. Lord, would you, would you help us to simply choose love, Lord, when it's not easy, when everything in our, in our heart, in our body, every fiber of our being wants to cry out, no, I, I, want, I want to exact my pain upon them. Help us to simply choose love. Lord, when we want to run from those we feel hurt by, would you help us to simply choose love? And when we look and we see someone hurting, someone lost, someone in need, someone tired and weary, would you help us to simply choose love? Show us your ways, O oh Lord. Amen.